The big issues of the day that Shiba Siddiqui and I discuss are obviously this controversy about assisted suicide in Canada and uh, the concerns that a former Canadian military member and Paralympian had when she called Veteran Affairs Canada. And we'll also talk about the QP agreement that we all expect will get ratified and signed into existence today that prevents any more labor action from that particular union. But does it set us up for more with the others? We discuss that on Toronto Today. Important to point out as well that pre-pandemic, because this is not a new law, not by any stretch of the imagination. I'll background this for you. 2015, Canada's Supreme Court said assisted suicide was constitutional. In June 2016, Parliament passed Bill C-14. That's the May. That's what we call made medical assistance in dying. So that's the law of the land. Provinces can't overturn it uh, based on who the premier is or based on on politics. So if you have a reasonable circumstance by which you're looking to um, end your life, there is a there is a process uh, for that. There's many other countries, many of which Canadians were going to prior to 2015 to allow that. There's 10 states of the 50 in the United States that allow it as well. People think it doesn't exist down there. It does. Um, But what we're spotting is more made deaths and more deaths in a younger demographic, 18 to 45. That number in 2018 was 49. In 2021, it was 139. Now, that may seem like a small number, but it's an increase of 300%. So if we keep rising by that number, We're doing something wrong. These can't all be people that have no path forward. You can't you can't end your life or shouldn't be able to end your life based on economic circumstances, based on depression. If you have if we haven't done everything imaginable to treat you, there's a story, by the way, in the in a Guelph newspaper about a woman who lives in that Kitchener Waterloo area. And she's a big soccer fan. She does an interview with a local reporter and says, yeah, there's not much for me here. She's like she suffers from chronic fatigue and I think fibromyalgia like it does. She says I can't walk anywhere more than 20 minutes without getting fatigued. It does sound terrible, but her she's makes her existence sound terrible, but she loves soccer. So she's she says and, and this is, a, again, almost a ghastly thing to say. Uh, probably after the World Cup, there's just nothing left for me. And I'm like, you're watching four or five hours of soccer a day, not to minimize her pain or how she feels. They're her feelings. You're watching four or five hours of soccer a day. You, you're you're doing an interview. You're cognizant. So there's got to be a way we can help. It's like, you. well, I'm going to watch the World Cup, and then eh, it's probably, probably applied for made. I'm like, what's going on here? This is not how this is supposed to be. We're supposed to do this with people who can't move, communicate, say their own name anymore, long-term dementia, absolutely people that are suffering so much physically. And if you can do an interview and you're uh, jumping in and watching, uh, you know, all of Brazil, South Korea later today, I think we got better interventions than um, ending your life and taking 50 years of your way. She was only in her 30s or 40s. It's unbelievable, really. Shiba Siddiqui joins me right now. Um, Welcome back. First of all, it's nice to thank uh, you. Nice to have you miss me. You were missed and you missed a staff outing Thursday night. I did. I know that's not like you. So I knew it was serious. (laughs) <laughs> you're right i've never missed a staff outing but i've also never missed a day of work in my history with chorus so i mean it took you know practically it took being immobile i hurt myself uh in a yoga class i was doing an inversion and i fell and then i hurt my back and then i thought i ignored it right as people tend to do i'm like oh it's fine it's gonna be fine tomorrow and then it just got worse and worse and worse until one day i just couldn't even get out of bed was the instructor pushing so, you too hard 
No, actually, I was pushing myself oh. because I thought I was a superhero in class that day. I'm like, oh, this, I'm going to go all out today, and I paid for it, and so here we are. Better now, though. Better now. Better now, it's a mild not 100%, improvement, but getting there. Yes, but I was just going stir crazy, doing mm. nothing. I literally had to either lie down or just walk slowly. I couldn't sit up, so I, I just. I needed to get back yeah. to work because lying in bed watching Netflix, honestly, that can only go so far for me it's until you start feeling completely useless, making all these to-do lists in your head about what needs to be done and why you're running out of time and why you're wasting time here. So I like to be up and out. And you are now again. That's a good thing. You saw the, so much about this story over the weekend. What's your impressions of it? Oh, so this veteran, Christine Gauthier, has been trying to install a wheelchair ramp in her home for the last five years. And I just heard that clip as we all did, she drags herself up and down those stairs. And what's their response? Made. So there are, all, there are under 500,000 veterans in our country right now. And this is no surprise, Greg. This is how mm. we treat our veterans. And this is how we, we don't, I mean, they come, they come back from wherever they went, wherever they fought, whatever they did for our country. And then we just sort of ignore them. Uh, and, you know, usually we think of, I think of an, a, a man in his 80s, right? I used to when I was younger. A man in his 80s who fought for our country came back. He's in a wheelchair in a home somewhere. But that's changing. These people are so young. Yeah, they went, to, the Afgan they went to Afghanistan or they went to be peacekeepers overseas. And again, this woman wasn't shot. She made a jump into a hole. So I don't know how much oh. combat she saw, but it was basically an accident and did so much damage to her, her spine or knees. But, you know, there's a photo of her in one of the stories competing in a paranordic ski event in Windsor, Nova Scotia at the 2011 Canada Games. So she's out there. And I, I just worry if this was somebody less prominent, no military background, wasn't a Paralympian, yes. would we have listened as much to this person? I, I worry that no. we wouldn't have. No, of course we wouldn't have. You know how many are out there currently in that situation who we're not listening to? So let me ask you this, right? We all watch TV. We were all scrolling through channels. We all see these Canadian military commercials. How would you feel if one of your sons came to you and said, hey, dad, I want to join the military? Knowing how he's going to get treated when he comes back, possibly injured from wherever he goes. Yeah, it sounds, I hadn't thought about it. And, and it's it's such a direct question that I would be. I, I would discourage it. Uh, I'll say it. Yeah. I would it, discourage it. So yeah. Only because of a, you're going to get treated like you don't, you're non-existent. And when you do reach out for help like this woman, you're going to be told, that will assist you in dying. We'll give you the equipment. We'll help you. We have the equipment on standby, as they told her, ready for you if that's the route you choose. Well, it, that's it, not okay. and even even with people debating when medical assistance in dying should be applied, and there's considerable debate about it in the country right now, this story alone um, negates any sort of positive advertising or um, yes. or, or promotion that the Canadian Armed Forces could provide for anybody at this point in time. Because it doesn't matter how flashy. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a really flashy commercial. And in Canada, we don't kind of do that. Oh, they're that. so exciting, though. But yeah, no, but, but, but they exciting. do it. They do that differently in the States. But even when I lived in the States, they were having trouble recruiting. They were, they were having a lot of problems recruiting people. And especially in those years of, well, you could end up going to Iraq, right? Post 9-11, they Remember had more trouble. Moore? That Michael Moore documentary, Fahrenheit 9-11, where he stood outside the White House yeah. and he tried to get congressmen to sign up their kids to write to send exactly. them overseas. Exactly, exactly. Right? That's, 
Yeah. So they don't like it's one thing to say, you know, go serve here. Peace. Keep. There are people that do it and it's incredibly honorable. And there are people um, that get a lot out of it and a lot in return. And there's people that I, I don't blame them for being more afraid. We're sending you to fight the Taliban. We're sending you into downtown Baghdad and you're going to liberate Baghdad. Like, but like again, you're not you're getting trained thing. leading up to it, but it's no, you are. And it's that's one thing you want to go fight for a country. I actually think so. that's amazing. But hey, they leave out the part that when you get back and if you're injured, mm. we're just going to ignore you and treat you like garbage. That's yeah. the part they leave out. Add that to the end of the commercial. Yeah. And again, they may help. There, there may be a wheelchair uh, installed at Christine Gauthier's uh, apartment today. But that's because of all the noise that got made. That's no good for everybody else that's sitting there going, I need help. Where's my exactly. coverage of my story? Because I didn't accomplish what this amazing woman did. Two quick thoughts on on following up our current um, conversation, Sheba. One comes to me via Linda on uh, Twitter direct message. She writes, and she's right. It's not the military who treats the veterans badly. It's Veterans Affairs that's run by civilians. Yes, that's true. And that's, that's a strong true. point. And I'm not sure if we have, I know it seems to happen more in the United States. I'm not sure we have a prominent MP in the liberal cabinet that is a veteran. Aaron O'Toole, obviously, um, former leader of, of the CPC, mm-hmm. is a veteran. But I don't, I think that was a huge problem um, and a big problem with, I know Anita Anand is currently the Minister of Defense. No one's asking that. I don't think it's a prerequisite to have served, but I think we need more veteran influence on something called veterans affairs. That seems obvious to me. And there are no other options, right? The Veterans Affairs Canada is who takes care of you when you get back to this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even though it's not the military, I mean, that's that's what you're stuck with. And they they tell you to go kill yourself. That was what that was one of the suggestions. And by the way, yeah, it's been documented. This Veterans Affairs is trying to say this is one person who's told this to at least because they've heard from three other people that said I got very similar advice when I asked for something. So this is one person. I'm not Uh, saying to name the person, but great. But make sure that we've identified that person. And this isn't this isn't among some uh, some point form sheets that you have beside your telephone when somebody calls you and you go, well, have you thought about this? Like you're not you're not selling them a cable package or a cell phone package. This is this is your life. That's and, and we have to move on. But really quickly, imagine every morning having to wake up and drag yourself down your stairs to get to your kitchen. Imagine dragging yourself down. Imagine every night. As you're saying goodbye, dragging yourself up those stairs because you can't afford to get that wheelchair ramp and your government won't give it to you. Your Veterans Affairs Canada won't provide the provide it for you. Just imagine yeah. having to live every day in and out like that, whether you're, you know, she's a skier, you said. She was what a was, Paralympic was uh, skier. She's she's canoe. Yeah, she, she was at Rio yeah, in the regardless Olympics. Of that, that's all great. Those accolades are fantastic. But dragging yourself up and down how demeaning how humiliating mm-hmm. having to live your life like that day in and day out yeah and and I, i'll point out as well that some of the issue right now is the movement potentially with um with made in canada is the idea that there would be eligible minors who are 12 to 15 12 to 15 um and and that parents and guardians uh you know can support eligible minors age 16 and 17 so and and you don't need a physical malady. This could be something that is a, you know, a grievous and, and deemed irredeemable mental condition. And I just like, again, when we're talking about depression and how people feel and understanding the short term and long term consequences of this stuff, I, I don't think ending your life is something to normalize. And I'm worried we're we're sort of more leaning that way than the other way around going. There's every other option but this. Bar, except in the most extreme cases where you you cannot function 
any hours of any day, then we'll let you die with dignity. But beyond that, there's options. Money, money yeah. and, and, and services are options that we have to start talking about more. Okay, I want to talk about what's happening at 10 a.m. this morning. Can what's you tell us? What's happening at 10 a.m.? Oh, at 10 a.m. There's a big announcement that I've got some anxiety about. I, I would have no anxiety about this. There, this is deal. This is QP um, the, and making their announcement. They're gonna. The good news is they're gonna do it at Queens Park. To me, they won't. They won't show up at Queens Park, announce the results of the vote, and then. And now let's all march. I'm telling you where Stephen Lecce's office is. Let's bang on that door and tell him he might not be there at ten o'clock. But um, but they're going to announce this vote that began November twenty fourth. Here's what I think is happening based on people I talked to within the union. This is obviously the custodians, the EAs, the ECEs, the library techs, all these people that went out on the Friday uh, when you were covering the rally at Queens Park and on the following Monday. But remember, they rallied Monday after they announced that they would shut down their protest sites because the province quickly, as quickly as possible, really, right after our show that morning on the Monday, um, voted to or move to back off the notwithstanding clause and offer that giant olive branch as Doug Ford deemed it. They're going to pass this um, and and there's not going to be any more labor. You're action. sure you sound a hundred percent, but it's going to be a lot closer vote. And I'm going to make the case that QP's leadership wants this vote to be close because there's been a lot of back and forth behind the scenes between mm-hmm. the union leaders and the rank and file who may not have wanted to go out in the first place, saw that the money was right, Sheba, and just want to move forward. They, they, they worry that many of the, many of the teachers are trying to sort of get them to get them to reframe what education is in this province. And a lot of QP workers are saying, you make double what I make in some cases, triple what I make. You do your negotiation and let us do ours because they want them. They want the raise. They want the 15 percent over four years. It's not their job to go out on the streets again with signs and and get docked a day's Unpaid. pay or two of work and, and go and, and try and get more. Get an ECE in every in every kindergarten class or an EA in every or get more custodians to clean the school rooms on a regular. It's not their job. They've got their deal and they want to sign it. I think that's exactly it. You hit it bang on. QP, I think they're frustrated. I think they're fed up. I think that what they were fighting for, they're getting. Mm -hmm. So let's move on already. So why do you think it's going to be so close if that's the case? I think they want to make it look like if it's a 90 to 10 percentage vote, I'm expecting this to be more two thirds max. But I think they're getting it passed because I think a lot of the I think there's going to be some resistance. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Because then it'll look like it, it, some thought was put into it, that they're not, pardon the pardon the word, they're not sheep that will just do whatever Laura Walton says. They're, and, and so many of the people that we've talked to who are QP members are the furthest thing from that. They've dug into all the details on this. They know all the parameters yes. of it. So, um, but I think there's going to be people that it's still a message to the Ford government. Don't mess with us. If there's if 30 or 40 percent say we still don't like the deal enough. But it's a bad it's a bad thing if they end up rejecting it. I think QP wants to announce a 60-40 vote or a 70-30 vote, but not much more than that. I think I don't think this is going to be close to unanimous. Well, we find out at 10 a.m. today uh, and I'll be biting my nails until then. Uh, I feel numb about it. 
I don't have any faith in my public school system. That's that's still your back acting up. You don't need to feel numb about it. (laughs) I I don't even have any energy to get angry anymore. So (laughs) I'm just rolling with the punches. Let's see what happens. Well, and let's see what happens. I hope you're right. Let's see what happens in the new year when uh, uh, ETFO and the OSSTF say, hmm, what, what were those numbers QP got? Yeah, we'd like around the same thing. Around 15% for four years sounds awesome to us. And there isn't a chance that those numbers will get even close for uh, for people who are- I'll be in uh, Florida. Already- I'll, I'll, I'll do the show live from Florida, okay? Well, yeah, I'll be your you, Florida rep. Yes, you'll be talking to Governor DeSantis about uh, education on a regular <laughs> basis.